Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is best-selling author Kimberly Bell, author of the new thriller novel, The Personal Assistant. Sally Hepworth wrote about the novel. The personal assistant has everything I look for in a book, an intriguing premise, a suspenseful plot, and a theme that has me questioning my own choices and behavior. Under the shifting sands of perspective, I never knew who to trust. A masterful novel that I read in an afternoon. I will be recommending it to everyone. I love Sally. <laughs> well, Kimberly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That's great. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, The Personal Assistant, how would you describe the novel? So The Personal Assistant is a story about an Instagram influencer named Alex, and she has amassed this huge following kind of almost by accident. She started out on Instagram as kind of a hobby, just a way of sharing her life, and she had a couple of posts that went really viral, and um, all of a sudden, overnight, she becomes this influencer. So she... Uh, can't manage, it becomes such a big job and she wants to monetize it. So she can't do that without a personal assistant. So if she hires this girl, um, really sharp, um, you know, go-getter type called AC. Her name is AC. Um, but all the goodwill of her followers kind of tanks one night when she posts something um, and the next morning wakes up and it has gone viral. But in the worst possible way, um, she's getting, you know, it's kind of like this runaway train where she's getting canceled and she reaches out to her assistant for help trying to stop this thing. And her assistant has gone silent. And as the story progresses, it turns out that her assistant isn't just silent, but perhaps maybe missing. And the police come looking to her and her family for answers. And I'm. Um and I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write The Personal Assistant? You know, I I don't remember the exact moment that I came upon the idea because, you know, when when you're an author and you're under contract, you, you know, I, I was balancing a lot of ideas back and forth with my uh, editor at Park Row. And, um, you know, we kept running up into problems with some of the other ideas that I was proposing. And and then finally we came to the idea of, you know, how about something a little um, relevant to what's going on in the world outside? And so, you know, as an author, because I'm very much on social media, I'm on like every platform that exists. And so, um, you know, and it's always kind of a fine line that you walk with sharing stuff, personal stuff about yourself, because you don't want to always be talking about books, only books, right? I mean, I, it's also my social media, my personal stuff. So I want to talk about where I'm traveling, what I'm doing, you know, things about my family. But you're always walking a fine line between, um, you know, sharing these personal things and maybe sharing too much. And so that kind of got me thinking, you know, what what if someone shares something, me or someone else shares something where it just goes completely sideways? And what if the people who are on the other side, you know, the the, the viewers and the followers are are maybe not 
the nicest people and and take it too far. And the threats can feel then really personal and really um, present in your real life as well. And so it just kind of, it was an idea that evolved from, from there. And, and I'm curious if you could talk about the process. I mean, once you have that kind of kernel of an idea about this personal assistant uh, for, for social media and how it could go wrong, um, what, what is kind of your process when you, when, once you have that kernel of an idea to, to flesh it out into a novel, are you someone who does an extensive outline before you begin writing the first sentence? Yeah. And part of it is because that's the way I like to write. I, I have to know, uh, you know, my, my, um, I have to have a map from beginning to end. And it's not to say that that map is set in stone because things change as I'm writing and, um, you know, characters develop and, and things happen that you're not expecting or you run into problems that you're not expecting when you, when you come up with an outline. That happens to me with every single book. So you do, I do have to be a little bit flexible, but part of the reason that I work with an outline is because in order to um, actually propose a book and to get my editor and my publisher on board, I have to kind of know what that book is about. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's a little bit of, a little bit of, I want to sell it to my editor. And it's a little bit of, I want to make sure that I'm not going to write myself into too many corners and and um, know what is what is happening and how the story is going to progress and how it's going to end. And like I said, you know, things change along the way, but the major plot points, like my beginning and ending and, you know, the 25, 50, and 75%, those pretty much stay the same. Um, the things that, as I write, tend to change are more character stuff rather than plot stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, I need, I need to have a roadmap. That's just kind of the way I write. And I have so many author friends who have no idea what's going to happen when they sit down to write and it's them telling themselves the story. Um, but I can't work that way. I wish I could sometimes, but I can't. Right. Well, well, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? So, um, writing is actually my second career. I worked for a really long time in um, nonprofit fundraising. I worked for Habitat for Humanity, the YWCA, um, a bunch of, you know, pretty big organizations, um, both in Atlanta and overseas in Amsterdam, where I was living when I first started out in that uh, field. And I was, it was 2008, I was doing... Uh, consulting for a number of firms in Atlanta. And I always kind of had in the back of my head, like, I've always been a super avid reader and I always kind of secret dream of, I want to write a book one day. I have a story to tell. And like I said, this was in the back of my head, 2008, and overnight the market crashed. And I woke up the next morning and literally did not have a job. Like all my clients had fired me overnight and some of those organizations don't even exist anymore. It was that bad. And yeah, wow. consultants are the first people that they send home. So I woke up and I was like, okay, I could either go out and look for a job or maybe this is the universe saying, you know, this is, this is what you've been saying you wanted to do. So maybe go out and do it. So 
2008 when this happened and my first book came out in 2014. So that tells you a little bit about how long of a road it was. But, you know, I by the time I sold a book, I had written two and I sold both of them. Um, those are my first two books, The Last Breath and The Ones We Trust. And um, yeah, and it just kind of went from there. I've been with the same publisher. They've moved me from Mira to Park Row, but it's all under the same HarperCollins, Harlequin umbrella. So I've been right. with them now for um, for eight books, and I just signed for another two. So two more coming. So are you are you working on a new novel now? I am. I am working on two, actually, which is not something I did on purpose, but I'm writing two books at the same time. Um, the first is my solo book, and that's the, uh, I think it'll probably be out in 2024. I'm guessing. We haven't talked exact dates, but I don't turn it in until April. So it usually takes at least a year lead time before it comes out. So that's uh, The Paris Widow. And then I am also working on book number two in the uh, Young Rich Widows series, which is an Audible uh, Audible original series. Um, and that is co-written. I have three co-authors, uh, Vanessa Lilly, Kate Hollihan, and Lane Fargo. That's great. Well, well, can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was? I mean, you you talked about, you know, basically losing your consulting job overnight. What what was the process for you of of learning how to write a novel basically? Uh, it's funny. So I, you know, I I it was kind of secret. I didn't tell anybody about it really other than my husband and my kids and maybe a couple of really close friends, my mother. Um and I said to them, I'm going to write a book. And they were all like, what? <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, it was that much of a secret dream. So when I when I announced it to my very nearest and dearest, they, even they were surprised. But, you know, like I said, I, I saw it as like kind of the universe pointing the way. So I sat down at my computer and I opened a document or claim, you know, word empty document. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I thought a lot about what kind of story I wanted to tell. And I gravitated to the, the stories I tell are very much the stories that I like to read. So it's suspense. It's, you know, um, the kind of thrillerish, fast paced, plot heavy books, um, and I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books about how to structure a story, how to build tension, how to build character. You know, I mean, there are a million things you need to know in order to write a novel. And so I spent a lot of those first few years studying them, joining critique groups, um, going to people who I would actually like sit down with and they would critique my work right there on the spot, which is terrifying and horrifying all at the same time. Um, but, you know, I, I really made it my job to learn how to write a novel and to structure a novel and, and you know, like I said, all the things that you need to know. And then I just started practicing. And I every every author that I've ever met has a practice novel. It's in deep, deep, deep <laughs> in a <the> drawer. <laughs> And it will never see the light of day. And I have a couple of those as well. Um, but, you know, it took me it took me a couple of false starts to figure out what my voice was going to be, 
um, what kind of story I wanted to tell, how I wanted to tell it, uh, you know, all, the, all those kind of things that you need to know in order to tell a story. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's great. Well, given all of that experience, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Yeah, I know it's super cliche and everybody says it, but the only way they get there is to write it. And even if that means that you're writing crap and, you know, every first draft is a crappy first draft, I don't 100% believe that because I think, you know, it depends on your process. Some people like to vomit out a first draft and then go back and fix it and fill it in and massage it and all those things. I kind of like to vomit a few chapters, go back and fix them and then vomit a few more and... um you know, and my process kind of evolves and changes with each book, but the the point is you can't fix it if it's not on the page. You can't have a novel if you haven't written it. So the the biggest advice is to just sit down, put your butt in a chair and your hands on the keyboard and do the work and, you know, be open for feedback because you have to find the right people to give you feedback. But once you find the people who who have the best for you and want the best for you and um, and kind of know what they're talking about when it comes to the story that you're trying to tell, then um, then you'll get there eventually. Might take you a minute. Took me six years. <laughs> you know, you'll get there eventually. Got it. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Mm. So the one I keep talking about this year is um, Ashley Winstead's The Last Housewife. That one came out probably sometime in the summer, and I loved it. I, that's probably my favorite book of the year. And I know Sally had really lovely things to say about me, but her book, um, The Younger Wife, The Younger Wife, is also fabulous. And I loved that one as well. I'm not sure it was this year. Might have been late last year that it came mm-hmm. out, but um, that's a fabulous one as well. And her new one is great, too. I've read that one. The, um, and I forgot the name of it, but it comes out early next year. That's fine. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? I am on all the socials, <laughs> for good or for bad. <laughs> I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Goodreads, um, I guess that's it, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well, even though I don't love LinkedIn. I think in my 
in my, um, the personal assistant, I call it like the, the water cooler that nobody wants to sit around for long at, but it's, I'm, I'm there. And, um, but yeah, you can find all those links to all my socials on KimberlyBellBooks.com. And I'm curious, do you use a personal assistant for your social media? <laughs> I do not. For a while, I used my daughter, but I trust my daughter. That you know, it, you have you you have to really know who you're letting um, have control of all your passwords and your in log stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm going to have a personal assistant for a while. <laughs> Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Kimberly Bell, author of the new thriller novel, The Personal Assistant. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Kimberly, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. It was great talking to you again. Great. Thanks a lot. I know the second I crack an eye that the day is going to be brutal. Hot and muggy. The kind of heat that gathers into thick clouds that turn violent later in the afternoon. I feel it before I am fully awake, the low pressure clanging in my temples. Then again, that's probably just the tequila. Pictures flash through my head, stop-start images from last night. Me disco dancing around the kitchen, AC pouring shot after shot. My husband Patrick watching with a grin. Oh God, AC my social media assistant and operations assistant and every other assistant role you can imagine, my work wife and right-hand gal. Remorse creeps in as I roll to my side, breathing through a wave of nausea. I am supposed to be the responsible one, the older and wiser boss who sets an example, not her drinking buddy. That last shot was a mistake. No. The mistake was the half dozen that came before it, and the way I tossed them back one after the other. Boom, boom, boom. Like a sorority sister on a mission. I should have stopped after the first one, well before AC's face started turning fuzzy around the edges. On the nightstand, two white excedrin flank a sweaty bottle of water. Patrick, my hero. With a grateful groan, I dropped them on my tongue and turned the bottle up. But at the movement or the sudden surge of liquid, my stomach flips and rolls. For a few hairy seconds, I wonder if I will keep them down. I stare at the ceiling and talk my stomach off the ledge, consoling myself with the reason I was celebrating in the first place. One million followers. Even serious, stoic Patrick had to blink twice when I shoved my phone in his face. His eyes bulged at the digits atop my Instagram page a number that, after so many months refusing to budge, finally flipped into surreal territory. The thought sets off a chirrup in my chest, a familiar fizzle and pop behind my breastbone. One million freaking followers, and they're following me, at unapologetically Alex. I don't get it, Patrick said the first time my fame eclipsed his, when a fan handed him her phone and asked for a picture with me. What are you selling? Some mantra about staying positive in a house with two hormonal girl monsters? A motivational meme you pilfered from the internet and slapped your logo on? Don't take this the wrong way, but why is that woman grinning like she just met Beyonce? 
Patrick doesn't understand the charm of unapologetically Alex because he's a numbers guy, a self-made money man who dishes financial strategies on the nightly news. He covers topics like how to become a millionaire before the age of 22, how to cultivate real wealth and lifelong financial freedom, how to never work for anyone but yourself ever again. For all my husband's brilliance, the world of insta-influencers is as real to him as the tooth fairy. It's like trying to explain the appeal of cats to a dog person. The only thing Patrick understands about my job is the financials. How for every 10,000 followers I have, I can demand a higher price for sponsored content. How when those followers are engaged, watching my videos, liking my posts, and commenting, I can demand even more. And I'm not going to lie. After years of raising two girls on my own without a penny or pat on the back from their father, the money is the best part. But that night in the restaurant, after my fangirl left, I did my best to explain the rest. She's grinning because I'm not a rock star. I am her cheerleader, the person who believes more in her than she believes in herself. I am the woman she could be if she just learned to live unapologetically. It's my slogan, the one I close out every post and video with. That's why she's so excited, because she's me, I'm her. We are the same person.